Good morning. I'm Caesar, uh, one of the pastors here and also um, the pastor for Celebrate Recovery. It's uh, a blessing to be here with you this morning, to be here on such a cool day in July. I can't believe how, how cool it is. So I thank, thank God for um, God's amazing grace. And, um, and I'm, I'm always thankful and glad that God found me here in this place. I, you know, I've said it so many times that when I leave and go to work, I start out with Jesus in the car, and it just takes one car to pull out in front of me, and I lose Jesus only to find and be found here again by Jesus. So um, I know I'll have to start again, but thank God that he's here uh, to, to help me with my human condition. Um, I thank God for his blessings, and, and uh, as we prepare for this message, will you join me in prayer? Almighty and gracious God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your amazing grace that continues to meet us in this most holy place. God, this is your moment indeed. So we pray now that you would hide me and hide all of us behind your cross. We pray, God, one more time that you would rescue me from me and rescue all of us from ourselves. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be holy and acceptable in your righteous sight. And then, God, we will be mindful in all things to give you all praise, honor, and glory. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As we continue the study of Romans, one of the most important things I think that we must come to know and understand about this book is that it's Paul's theology about God and who God is calling us to be. In the early church, there were many questions about how to believe and how to be faithful to this amazing grace of Jesus Christ. And some of the stuff that was brought up had more to do with doing faithfulness instead of being faithful to God. So Paul spent time talking about these things because his understanding of God was radically different than what was being taught about God and how to access God's grace. So, for instance, when it came to following the law, although the law was important to Paul, it was not the thing that saved us, which was, which was a radical departure from what he understood as a Jewish teacher of the law. Paul says this in Galatians 2.16, Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. So if I'm tempted, if I'm tempted to point my fingers at these early Christians, believers and and holler foul, I know that I have to also point my finger, point, point the finger at myself and say foul as well, because I know that in my early faith journey, I have also tried to justify myself by doing instead of being. 
I have justified myself by trying to work hard enough. I have often tried to justify myself by being good enough. I've tried to justify myself by being holy enough, holy enough or I've tried to justify myself by just reading the Bible long enough, feeling like if I could just do the work that I need to do, somehow I would be able to gain God's love. But the scriptures remind me and reminds all of us that all of our righteousness, no matter how much we do, is still as a filthy, dirty rag in God's sight. So the fact of the matter is that we cannot be justified by what it is that we do. The only way that we can be justified by God is through the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. So the question for us this morning is, how should we begin to understand this amazing gift? Or how should we begin to understand justification for us? I love what James Cone, what he would argue and what he would say about this gospel is, what does this gospel have to do with me? Well, the first thing that we need to know and that we need to understand is that justification is God's work and serves as a remedy for the sin and the brokenness that is caused by it. Please note, Please note that justification is God's work first and foremost. Thus, God justifies us to be in relationship with God, not by what we do, but rather by, what God, by who God is and what God does. Therefore, if we want to understand God and our relationship to God, then it's important to note that God is the main actor in the human event. And that we are always the subject in this relationship. We must come to know that we belong to God and not God belonging to us. That God has created us and that we have not created God. And it is God who justifies our relationship with God and not the other way around. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says it this way. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by this faith into this grace in which we stand, now stand. Justification. Justification is God's role, and our role is simply to trust Our role is simply to trust and believe that God is who God says God is. When I entered this world at six pounds, I know it's hard to believe that I was six pounds at one time in my life. But when I I entered entered into the world to Irma Jean and Cesar Renty as this six-pound bundle of joy, and, and as I started crawling around and as I started grabbing stuff, I began, and as I started putting words together, I began to learn the word my. I began to learn the word mine, that it belonged to me. And I remember saying to my mother in sign language, that's mine. <laughs> it belongs to me. <laughs> 
And I remember, you know, I would grab the pacifier. It's mine. I would grab my toys. That's mine. I would, I would grab everything that belonged to me and say it was mine. I would grab the steak and say the steak is mine. <laughs> Help her, Lord. <laughs> and it's like... As I began to grab and manipulate and, and own all the things around me, I learned in my mind that, that somewhere in, in, in my conscious that if I owned it, that if I owned it, that I possessed it and that it belonged to me. And that if I wanted it to serve me right, that I had the responsibility of taking care of it. However, the problem with this understanding, particularly when it comes to God, is that is that God is first and foremost not an object or an it. And secondly, God cannot be possessed like an object. And God cannot and certainly will not be controlled. God says in his word, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. So the only thing that we can do In this relationship, the only thing that we can do is trust in God's justifying grace. And that that grace has the power, that grace has the power to bring us into full relationship with God. Jesus puts it this way in Revelations 3.21 when he says this, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So God acts first as our so God acts first in our life. God is the main actor in our life, and our responsibility and our faith response has to be opening the door to his love. The second thing the second thing that we need to know about justification is that we are justified by God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 6 says it this way. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. While we were still messed up. While we were, like I always say, tore up from the floor. While we had more junk in our trunk. While we had skeletons in our closets. When we were at our weakest. When we were broke. When our bodies were failing us. When we had sin racking our spirits and our bodies, when we were sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Christ died for us. And as important as it is to know that Christ died for us, it's also important for us to also know that Christ was resurrected for us that Christ rose from the dead for us and that our salvation and that our justification is not only found in his death, but it's also found in his resurrection because, because we are infused, because we carry 
his spirit in us, we are justified and resurrected and we are justified by his resurrection. Jesus puts it this way in John 12, 24, when he says this, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So our justification not only comes from God's willingness to die for us, but also comes from his power to rise from the dead. When I was growing up in Mount Nebo or, or in Hartshorn, Oklahoma, I always say Hartshorn, Oklahoma population, two chickens and a duck, and around Christmas time we eat up one part of that population. So, <laughs> when I was growing up in Hartshorn, and uh, when I would, when when I was, when we would go to church at Mount Nebo Baptist Church, my childhood, my home church, and. And when Mom Annie and Papa Joe and we would have communion service after the communion service and, and after the preacher had preached and the choir had sung and, and we had communion and, and, and all my, my aunts and uncles and my cousins and, and our friends and my great-grandmother and my grandmother and my mom and dad, as we all stood there in Mount Nebo Baptist Church, we would make a circle around this little country church And we would begin to sing the song, I Knew It Was the Blood. And my grandfather, he would begin by singing the song. And as we all held hands after we had taken the Lord's Supper, as we all held hands together, I would witness the Holy Spirit enter the room as Papa Joe would begin to sing, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. For me, one day when I was lost, he died upon the cross. I know it was the blood for me. I can tell y'all want to sing that, right? (laughs) So we'll do it together. (laughs) I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood, I know it was the blood for me. One day when I was crossed, he died upon the cross. I know it was the blood for me. However, as much as as important as that part of the song was, as important as that part of the song is, the second part and the second half of that song is is equally important because it reminds us that our justification is not only found in Jesus' blood and his sacrifice that was made for us on the cross, but it's also found in his resurrection. In the second song of that, the second half of that song, we would hold our hands together and we'd lift our hands up and we'd say, He rose up from the dead. He rose up from the dead. He rose up from the dead for me. One day when I was lost, He died upon the cross. He rose up from the dead for me. He rose up from the dead. 
He rose up from the dead. He rose up from the dead for me. One day when I was lost, he died upon the cross. He rose up off the dead for me. Thus the words, the words of this song not only told us in that small circle at Mount Nebo Baptist Church that we were justified because God had paid the price on the cross, but we also knew and we also understood that we were justified. We were justified because Jesus had the audacity to rise up from the dead. Jesus had the audacity to rise up from the dead and carry our sins and our burdens with him. And the real power of our justification not only comes from the death, but it also comes from the resurrection. The third thing, the third thing that we need to know about justification is that because we are justified by God's grace through Jesus Christ, we can now live with spiritual, with spiritual hope, even if we're going to die a physical death. We can now live with spiritual hope, even if we know that we are going to die a physical death. November 10th, I'll turn 50, and one of the things that I've discovered about myself is that when you hit 50, my vision is starting to get a little dimmer, and I'm having to hold things a little further, and my arms are not getting long enough, and I'm getting things way out there, and and I'm realizing that things are just falling apart, and it is like what Uncle Plum says, what doesn't hurt, don't work. And I realized that in this human body that I'm racked with vulnerabilities and weakness, that this body one day will fail, that some point in this life that I will stop breathing and that this heart will stop beating. But the good news of the passage is that God still remains the same, that God still walks with us regardless of wherever we are, regardless of whatever it is that we face. God continues to be with us, and because of that, we have real hope. Because of that, we have real hope, because our life does not stop here when our bodies continue to stop, but our lives continue on in full relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he loves us so much. I love this passage. I love these verses, 1 through 5, that says this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast. We boast we boast in the face of death. We boast in the face of discomfort. We boast in all of our human weakness. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also, we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
because of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, we can live with the full assurance that even in death, we have life and we have hope. That God is not found, that God is, that God is found in the dark places of our lives. When we are experiencing the deepest doubt in our spiritual journey, that's where God is. When we're experiencing real doubt about who God is and who we are, that is where God is. When our bodies are failing us, that is where God is. When we are experiencing the major tragedies in our life, that is where God is. That is where God is, because that is who God is. And our hope, our hope, our hope is found in knowing that God is always with us and knowing that God has poured his love into us and that he has poured and continues to pour his love into us and to to continue to remind us of that amazing grace and hope. Now, many of you know that I'm the pastor for Celebrate Recovery, and one of the things that we do on Thursday nights before we end our worship service and we leave is we pray the serenity prayer. And the serenity prayer on Thursday nights, we pray this prayer, and it goes like this. It says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking, as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right. If I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life, So let me be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you in the next. Accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, knowing in the end that that whatever hardship we face in our lives, whether it's because of our own mistakes and the blunders that we make, or whether it's because of the mistakes and the blunders that other people make, that God is still there and that God always has the last word. And that our hope, and that our hope, that our hope is not trying to keep this human body alive, but that our hope is that God will indeed possess us when our bodies fail. Thus, we need to know that our hope is knowing that God is with us in this human condition and justifies us, and justifies us with his love and his grace not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Finally, we need to know because of God's grace, we are reconciled, and because we are reconciled, we are justified, and because we are justified, we are redeemed for full and holy relationship with God. At the end of the day, At the end of the day, when all of the singing has been done, when all of the preaching has been preached, when when everything is done, when communion has been handed out and the offering has been taken up and the choir is sung and we leave, at the end of the day, what this story is all about is about justification for full relationship with God. 
That's what this basically boils down to because that's what God is saying to each one of us. Justification is purely for the simple, plain purpose of having a relationship with me when we trust that God has us covered with his grace, then we can be fully seen and we can be fully known for who we are. When we, when we know all of the skeletons that we have in our closet, when we know that we tore up from the floor up, you know, when we, when we know we got more junk in our trunk, when we know we, we, we're, we're damaged goods, when we know all of that stuff, but yet we can with confidence bring that to God and be fully seen and fully known, that's when we begin to experience full relationship with God. Verse 10 says this, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Justification. Justification is about reconciling us from the sin and the brokenness that it causes in our lives to redeeming us to full relationship with God. Justification is about bringing us and redeeming us and bringing us into full relationship with God. This past year, I've had the opportunity to participate in the Big Hope ministry that we have here at the church, and um, I wanted to find a way to to be able to give, and so I I signed up for the Big Hope and went through the the training, and and then I got a a mentor, a a mentee, a little young boy, um, he's about, he's um, like nine or ten, and and, he's Anyway, I developed a, a really good relationship, so I, w- I would meet him at the school, and I would, you know, meet him for an hour, and we would spend time um, talking and all of that. And, I, and, and when I started it, I thought, wow, this would be really good because I get the opportunity to pour into this young boy's life, and, and I, can, I could share some of the limited wisdom that I have with him. Uh, and I, you know, share my life with them. And so I, I feel like this is an opportunity to do that. But I realized that, man, it was quite a blessing for me to participate in this ministry and to participate and to be in relationship with this young man. Besides, I like the fact that he likes my jokes. <laughs> when I bring my corny jokes that nobody laughs at, when I, when I, when I, when I tell him, what do you call a camel without a hump? And he's like, what? I say, Humphrey, you know? <laughs> oh, y'all like that? <laughs> my kind of people. <laughs> Not before lunch. <laughs> but as, I, as we shared our time together, as we, we shared our time together, I remember one day I showed up at the school and I was, I was coming to meet him and his teacher met me at the door and she said, well, I'm so glad that you decided to come today because he's had a really tough day today. And in this morning when he came into school, he when he came in, he was upset and, and apparently he had, a, he had a rough time on the bus because some of the kids were making fun of him. And when he got to class, he didn't really want to do anything in class. And, 
and he was really sad and upset, and he cried all morning long. And she said, I'm glad that you, that you showed up to spend some time with him today. And so, you know, I asked the teacher, I asked her what had happened, and she told me that some of the kids had been making fun of him, that they were calling him names. And she said, you know, that I could see him, and then we could talk about it. And so, so I, I met him, and, you know, as always, I give him a big old burly handshake. How you doing? Good to see you. Come on, let's, let's, let's go to the big hope closet, and we'd, you know, get some toys out of there, and then we'd go and spend time together. And so as we, we went, and, and uh, we grabbed a football, and we started playing catch with the football. And, um, and as we, we continued to, to, to play the game, and then after, after a while, I said, well, I heard you had a bad day today, and, and he looked and he said, yeah, and I said, well, let's sit down and talk about it, and so we sat down and we began to talk, and, and he began to share a story, and I, and I said to him, I said, well, what happened on the bus, and he said to me, he said, well, he said, some of the kids started making fun of me, and I said, well, what did they say, and what were they, what were they making fun of you about, and he said, well, they were, they were making fun of my teeth, he said, they were calling me buck teeth, and they were calling me Bugs Bunny, and they were calling me all these names, and, and I could tell that he was going through this and reliving this experience experience again and he began to get sad and I sat with him and I said to him I said well I said let me ask you this so they called you Bugs Bunny and they called you all of these different things and and I said so do your teeth do they do like when you bite into the apple will they fall out and he was like no they don't and I said so they're pretty good teeth then yeah he said yeah and I said to him I said so so um your 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 teeth are they you know are are is there are there any defects you anything wrong that you know of or that you don't like about your teeth? And he was like, no, I like my teeth. And so I said to him, I said, so are you Bugs Bunny? And he looked at me and he said, no, I'm not Bugs Bunny. And I said, so is what the kids said about you on the bus true? And he said, no. And I said, you're right. I said, none of that's true. I said, because there's nothing wrong with you. I said, I remember when I was your age, my teeth were bigger than my head, and eventually my head grew into my teeth. (laughs) (laughs) And I said to him, I said, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your teeth. There's nothing wrong with you because you have healthy teeth, and, and, and you are who you are. So the truth is, is that there's nothing wrong with you. God says to us in this justifying grace that there's really nothing wrong with us. He reconciles us to himself. He reconciles us to himself through his justification, through the, the, the sacrifice that would, was made through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. He he, he gives all of that to us, and he basically says to each one of us that there is nothing wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with us because Jesus has paid the price. Jesus has reconciled us in a full relationship with God. Jesus has made it possible that we can be in full relationship with God through, the, through his death and resurrection. I don't know. I don't know what it is that keeps you down or how you have defined yourself or 
what 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 keeps you awake at night or or what it is that tells you that you are not enough. But Jesus reminds each one of us, Jesus reminds each one of us that we are enough and that there's nothing wrong with us. 1 Corinthians 6, 21, 26, 20 and 21 says this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in, who is in you whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. My brothers and sisters, the price that God paid basically says to all of us that we are worthy and that we're justified to be in full relationship with God, that we are justified to be in full relationship with God, with warts and all, that we are justified to be in full relationship with God, with all of our doubts, with all of our fears, with all of our shortcomings, with all of our hurts, with all of our hang-ups. We are justified and can walk with clear confidence because of the price Jesus paid because of the death that he died and the resurrection that we all get to experience. We're justified through that amazing grace, through that amazing grace that's given to us each and every day. And I don't know about you, but that's good news for me. That's good news for me. It makes me want to holler sometime, but it's good news for me because it feels so good in my spirit. It's good news to me to know that my hangups are not enough to keep God away from me. It's good news to me to keep on keeping on like my grandmother says. It's good news to me that when I'm feeling down, I know that somewhere there's a way out. It's good news to me that when I know that my body will one day fail me and that this life will one day be over, that there is a God who died, who justified me to have a full relationship with him. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your amazing grace that meets us once again in this most holy place. God, we pray. We pray that in the midst of our weakness, in the midst of our brokenness and our human condition, in the midst of sin, God, that you would remind us that we are already justified, justified to accept your grace, justified to live in your peace, and justified to experience your hope. Be with us this day. And then, God, we will be mindful in all things to give you all praise, honor, and glory. We we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.